eight, uh, Raylene's got about 48 hours left for that baby to come this way, join us outside world. Who could blame it for not wanting to stay put? But uh, let's let's go to Lord in prayer this evening. Ask God to go ahead and bring that little one into the world without any troubles or any complications. I believe God would be pleased to answer if we'd call upon Him, and I think it'd be something we'd like to pray about tonight. So, uh, Brother uh, Wade Shue, how about pray for us? Let's just pray for Raylene and and uh, Lord bring that baby along. Amen, amen. All right, let's turn to the book of John this evening. Book of John, we last looked at Jesus Christ as the Son of Man, and we uh, spent two sessions together uh, going through the book of Matthew. According to Matthew, Jesus as the Son of Man lived without earthly comfort. He was a friend to sinners. He preached the Word, had the power to forgive sins. He's the Lord over the Sabbath day and religion, has authority over angels. He was betrayed into the hands of men, condemned to death, suffered at the hands of men, died for sinners, was dead and buried three days, rose from the dead, ascended to sit at the Father's right hand. As the Son of Man, He saves the lost. To refuse Him is to lose one's own soul. He will come to earth again in power, triumphant at the second advent, In the glory of his Father, destroying his enemies, he shall rule upon the earth, upon a throne which he deserves. That's from Matthew. Now, tonight, we're going to look at the uh, eight, uh, nine times in the book of John, when Jesus is referred to as the Son of Man. As we said uh, in our prior sessions, this title is used of Jesus 84 times, 80 of them by the Lord himself. It is the, the name by which... He liked to refer to himself. He was the Son of God. We know that. We believe and understand that. The absolute deity manifest in the body of human flesh. But in a body of human flesh was absolute deity. Both are true. He didn't cease to become God when he became man. And he didn't cease to become man when he, when he ascended, went back to the right hand of the Father. He is absolutely all 100% God. He's 100% man. God and man. That's the great mystery of godliness. How the two could be one there in that body of flesh. Let's look at John chapter number 3. We'll start there. John the third chapter. The Bible says in verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. I'd like to include that as we uh, make our way down into John 3 to a, a verse later in the chapter, because for all the conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees and all the snares that they laid for him and all the accusations they made against him and all the debates and arguments they had with him, when one of them stepped away from the crowd and spoke to Jesus privately, his admission was, we know you are who you say you are. So they, they didn't reject him because they didn't believe his claims. They rejected him because if his claims were in fact true and allowed to be carried forward, they would lose their dominion and their control over the nation. And, and that's what they, they didn't want. Uh, Pilate knew, he figured out, that for envy they had delivered him. It wasn't, it wasn't a matter of, of him having done anything wrong. Okay, so anyway, Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. He has to explain that to him, the difference between birth of the flesh and birth of the spirit. Nicodemus understood the one but not the other. And then he likened that new birth to the wind blowing where it listeth. And then the Bible says in verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know. 
and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven. That's to go up there by his own power. Enoch was translated by the power of God. Elijah was carried up in a, in a chariot, a whirlwind of, of, a chariot of fire and a whirlwind, but no man ascended. That is, by his own power went to heaven, but there's one, he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Now, this is, a, this is such an odd passage that some of your Bibles will have this in red letters and some of it will not, some will not have it in red, in red letter Bible. Some attribute these words to Jesus, others to John. Some aren't sure they go back and forth on it. But here's the statement. The Son of Man, as He stood upon the earth, had stood upon the earth before, and returned to heaven, and stood upon the earth, and returned to heaven, and stood upon the earth, and returned to heaven. The Son of the Son of God made many Old Testament appearances. You remember, he, uh, the voice of the Lord was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And, but he didn't stay there. He returned back up from whence he'd come. You recall he was standing in the door of the ark bidding Noah and his family to enter. And, and yet, uh, he returned. And then you recall he came down in Genesis 11 to the, to Babel and said, let's go down and, and see what they're doing down there. Many, many times he met Abraham outside the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and forewarned him of that judgment. So many times the Son of God came to this earth. But not until he was manifest in the flesh was he ever called the Son of Man. So he can say, no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, that's me, even the Son of Man, and then here's the curious phrase, which is in heaven. Now doesn't that sound odd? That a man is standing under a street light speaking to Nicodemus, and, he, and he's claiming, I'm the son of man, and I'm from heaven, I've come to earth and gone back many times, but now I stand before you as the only one with the power to ascend and descend and ascend and descend as I will, and right now I'm in heaven. Now how can a man standing on earth claim to be at the very same time in heaven unless there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one, and their unity is so complete that as one is upon earth and one is in heaven, the one upon earth can speak of himself as being in heaven, and the one in heaven could speak of himself as being on earth because of their perfect and absolute unity. They are one. So the Son of Man is the Son of God, and the Son of God is the Son of Man, and the Trinity is not split into three pieces while Jesus is upon the earth. He is absolute, uh, not, not only the absolute equal of the Father, but He's an absolute unity with the Father, even while He is walking here upon the earth in a body of flesh. Now, let's see what He did while He was here. Keep reading verse number 14, and... As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Notice, very important, the close of verse 14 is a semi, is a colon, not a period, not a semicolon, not a comma. So what we have here is we have two complete truths but two complete truths which cannot be separated one from the other. The Son of Man must be lifted up. For prophecy to be fulfilled? Well, sure. For sin to be paid for? Well, sure. But verse 15, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. If your belief tonight is in the teachings of the Son of Man exclusively, you don't have eternal life. If your belief tonight is in the miracles of the Son of Man exclusively, you don't have eternal life. 
The life of Jesus did not pay for sin. The miracles of Jesus did not pay for sin. The teachings of Jesus did not pay for sin. In order for sin to be paid for, a man had to die for man. And so God became man so that as man he could be lifted up, And as we'll see later this evening, bear in his body upon the cross your sins and mine only by believing in the Son of Man who died upon the cross can we have everlasting life. Only as we believe in the Son of Man who died to pay for our sins can we have everlasting life. Most people in America believe in Jesus. Very few of them believe to everlasting life. Because they do not believe that God was manifest in a body of flesh to die a substitutionary death upon the cross. Now, without without going into all the detail of the Numbers passage, here's the situation. The children of Israel in the wilderness, and they are committing such a horrible sin against God that he has sent fiery serpents to bite them, and those, those bites are such a deadly poison that the people bitten by those serpents are dying. Now, that must have been some awful sin they committed, and it was. They were complaining. Griping. Murmuring. Singing, I have been blessed. And following up with comments about it's hot, it's cold, somebody's too close to me, somebody got my parking spot. You've seen how much gasoline was on the way to church, and and I did notice that it's it's pretty high. So they were complaining, and these fiery serpents came and bit them. And the Lord, Lord said to Moses, I want you to make a brazen serpent and put it on a pole. And lift it up. And whosoever looks at the symbol of the American Medical Association, lift it up upon a pole. That's where that came from. The the healing power of the serpent on the pole. It's in a doctor's office and so forth. Anyway, when they look on on that serpent, if they look, they'll live. Why? It's God's provision. You heard it proclaimed it's God's provision. If you believe the word and look, and, and they lived. No works on their part. No reformation, no labors, nothing. Heard the word, believed the word, did what the word said, and they were, they were saved. And so as Moses, see, that serpent in the wilderness, that was the only thing that could save them. And Jesus Christ lifted up on the cross, that's the only thing that could save you. So as Moses lifted up the serpent, so God the Father lifted up God the Son upon the cross. If you'll hear the gospel, look. To the Lord Jesus Christ for life. Trust, believe, He'll save you. Same way. That's, that's the Son of Man. He's God manifest in a body of flesh so He could die for your sins and for mine. All right, let's go to John chapter 8. John chapter number 8. Pastors who believe the Bible, we, we often trouble ourselves for our oft-preaching of the gospel, which we are sure everybody's heard a hundred times, and which we are sure everybody understands, until you begin to have conversations with people who say, oh yes, I'm a Christian, but then proceed to tell you that they're trusting their works, or their baptism, or they're trying the best they can, or they just can't wait to meet the big guy upstairs, and they say all these things that make you realize, i got to go over this again. So a lot of people might be getting it, but there's always one more that hasn't gotten it yet. And what you got to do is look and live. Absolute, complete, total faith in the cross work of Jesus Christ, plus nothing, minus nothing. And when somebody asks you if you're saved, if you start in any way contributing your works or your lack of sin... To the, to, the, to the way of salvation, you cause us to have to preach it one more time. Because the gospel is what Jesus did for you. It's not what you do for Him or what you didn't do to Him. So, John 8 says this. John 8, verse number. Uh, let's start at verse oh, 23. 
And he said, said to them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are, not of, ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning, I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Now notice, he's not lifted up to die because the Pharisees want him dead. He's not lifted up to die because the scribes and the Sadducees want him removed. He's not lifted up to die because the Romans feel threatened by him and have to get rid of him. He is lifted up to die because it was the Father's will that the Son lay down His life to pay for our sins. That is why He came into the world, to do His Father's will. That is why He went to the cross, to do His Father's will. That is why He suffered for sin, to do the Father's will. Now, let's, let's back up and look at what frequently comes up in our conversation amongst ourselves. What good did the door knocking do? What good did the track passing do? What good did the prayer meeting do? What good does the street preaching do? Did you notice that Jesus did not go to the cross so that you would be saved? He went to the cross because His Father requested that He do so. That you got saved is a great blessing to you. It's a blessing to the Lord. But had you not gotten saved, He still would have gone to the cross. Our songs, they're a little too me-centered. He went to Calvary all for me. No, He didn't. He went to the cross just for me. No, He didn't. He went to the cross because it was His Father's will. And He delights to please His Father. And He wants to do what His Father wants Him to do. It was obedience on the part of the Son of Man toward God the Father that took Him to Calvary. Now, did He he die for our sins so that we could be saved? Yes, He did. Did he die for the sins of the whole world? Yes, he did. But many are not saved. Many reject him. And yet, you couldn't look at Jesus and say, as Ken and Copeland and some of those men have dared to say, that his, his trip to the cross was a failure. Not a failure. If he went to please his father and his father was pleased, it was an absolute total success. The Son of Man was lifted up because God the Father required that sin be paid for. And God the Son said, I will pay for that sin. I will satisfy your righteous judgment in paying for that sin upon the cross. And that's why he went. And the Father said, this is my beloved Son. Whom I am well pleased. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. I'll raise you from the dead. I'll, I'll sit you at my right hand in the glory of heaven because you have pleased me. That's why I went to the cross. To do his father's will. Now, look in your Bible in John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and we'll see this. John 12 and verse 23. And Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now, verse 27. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I. Unto this hour, Father, 
glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people therefore stood by and heard it, said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying that if we live a good life and smile and witness, all men will be drawn to Jesus. No, no, no. This he said, signifying what death he should die. Now look at this. Verse 31, this world will meet its judgment in the body of the Son of Man on the cross. Look at verse 31. The prince of this world, will be dethroned in the body of the Son of Man upon the cross. There is nothing that all men combined have ever done or could ever do to dethrone Satan. But Jesus by himself with his heel bruised the serpent's head and rose from the dead having spoiled principalities and powers. There is nothing that all men individually and all men combined could do to bring judgment upon a sin-cursed world. But Jesus Christ did that in His body upon the tree. He absolutely by Himself paid for everything sinful man had done and therefore robbed Satan of his power. To lay claim to your soul forever. He did that all by himself on the cross as the Son of Man. Having done that, he could say, And if I be lifted up from the earth, which I did, which he was, will draw all men unto me. You see that? It's great that we sing for the Lord and we should. And it's great that we witness for the Lord, and we should. And it's great that we live a godly life, and we should. But nobody is going to say, I want to get saved because she sang a pretty song. I want to get saved because that man is such a good neighbor. I want to get saved because that person was uh, told me about Jesus, and, and I just don't want to disappoint them. Everyone that's ever been saved was saved because... They were drawn to a man who had paid for their sin and they were drawn to a man who had triumphed over their enemies and they came to Jesus Christ because they saw what he had done for them. Now you might help point the way and you should. And I might nudge them in that direction and I should. But none of you are saved here tonight because of me. And none of you are saved here tonight because of a friend. or they, they played some part. But if you bowed your knee and said, make me like that preacher, you're still lost. If you bowed your knee and said, I want to be just like my friend at work because they're so happy. Listen, you were drawn by the Holy Spirit of God to the Son of Man to behold what He did for you. And when you saw what He did for you and trusted Him, you were saved. And that's, that's, we, we gotta, we gotta get more of our focus upon the finished work of Christ and less on the preachers and less on the choirs and less on the soul winners and less on the evangelistic campaigns. It's Jesus Christ that saves sinners. And without Him, you do all the preaching you want, nobody gets saved. And you do all the witnessing you want, nobody gets saved. And you do all the clean living you want, nobody gets saved. The Son of Man was lifted up. And the Son of Man judged the sin of this world. And the Son of Man defeated that old devil. And the Son of Man will save your soul if you'll trust Him. God manifest in the flesh. All right, let's go to John chapter 6. John chapter number 6. Now let's talk about this just for a minute. I shouldn't have left so quickly. This is tricky. We wrote about it in the Humanity of Christ book. 
I've talked about it many times, but it's tricky, 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 tricky. Son of God. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The invisible God, he's called. Well, you can't, you can't nail invisible to a cross. You can't put invisible to death. What dies? Motions of sin which are in our members, right? The body is dead indeed because of sin. Spirit is life. So in order to die like a man, you've got to have a body like a man. So the Son of God becomes the Son of Man. In that body, He lives 33 and one-half years in a way that no one else has ever lived. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See that? But Jesus Christ never came short of the glory of God. He is the glory of God manifest in the flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. But now, look, now, He's kneeling in the garden, and there's a cup. And in that cup is every dirty, rotten, filthy thing that any human being has ever done or ever will do. And the one who has never come short of the glory of God looks at that cup and says, How do I take the sins of the world? Without losing the glory. Father, glorify me. I don't want to lose the glory of sinlessness. And the Father says, you go ahead and drink that cup. Because I have glorified you and I will yet glorify you. Here's what the scripture says. He bare our sin... In his body on the tree. That's First Peter chapter 2. And Isaiah 53 says, When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. So you know what they do? His dead body that bore our sin is laid in a tomb. While his living soul meets the dying thief... That very afternoon in paradise. Because while his body took our sin and died, his soul never lost the glory. And so Christ as the Son of Man could bear the sins of the world and as the Son of God could be eternal life all at the same time. Christ died for our sins, then how can he be with, it, with the thief that day in paradise? Because his body's in the grave, paying the penalty for sin, and his soul is alive in paradise rejoicing because he is the resurrection and the life. What an amazing thing. John chapter 6. John 6. The Bible says in verse number 27, labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. What does the Son of Man give? He gives everlasting life. What a blessing. How does he do that? Come down to verse number, oh, this is so tricky. Come down to verse number 51. No, verse 48. No, verse 47. All right, 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Everybody get that? That's pretty clear, isn't it? What do you have to do to have everlasting life? All right, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Verse 48, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. I heard a guy a while back, one of these prosperity preachers. He said, you know, you hear a lot of criticism nowadays about mammon. And people say you can't serve God and mammon. And, and, and he said, but I want you to know 
that God, God wants you to be rich. The proof is, in the, in the book of Exodus, He rained mammon down from heaven twice a day on His people, and He wants to rain mammon on you. One thing that would help you teach the Bible is an ability to read. They didn't eat mammon in the wilderness. They ate manna in the wilderness. Though they both start with the letter M, that's about the end of it. Uh, in the wilderness and are dead, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Do you know there were people that went to church this morning who struggle with that very thing? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Now, now stop just for a minute. Before you try to figure out how you're going to eat his flesh and drink his blood... Have you forgotten verse 47? Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. Now, if that verse is true, and it is, then eating his flesh cannot be a physical act or a work that you do. It has to be consistent with verse 47, believing on me. Drinking his blood cannot be an act of of gross cannibalism. It has to be consistent with verse 47. It has to be something that is done as a matter of faith and belief, not as physical works. Verse 57, As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Okay, so... What I've told you to do, that you might live, is exactly the same as how I live. Is there anyone who believes that Jesus ever ate the flesh of the invisible God the Father who is a spirit? Not a chance. Did Jesus ever drink the blood of God the Father who is a spirit? Impossible. So, Jesus says... I live in relationship to my Father because I believe on Him completely, absolutely. And you, in the same way, can live by me if you will believe on me. Absolutely, completely. I want you to feed upon me like the children of Israel fed upon manna in the wilderness. So what do people do? They run in and make some weird, bizarre thing where we're turning a piece of bread into the flesh of Jesus Christ. And, and I mean, if you just stop and think about that, it's really, it's really a weird thing. Do you know both Old and New Testaments condemn the ingestion of blood? So, the Son of Man, you know what He did? He gave His broken body upon the cross one time. Said it is finished. He shed His blood on the cross one time. Said it is finished. Will you look to that and live? Will you, will you make that your meat? Will you make that your drink? Will you set aside all religious activity and trust Him? The Bible says, same chapter, verse 62... What an if. Or, or 61. Uh, when Jesus knew in himself, his disciples murmured at it. He said unto them, Doth this offend you? What an if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before. 
He didn't start at Bethlehem. He started up there and came to Bethlehem. What did he get in Bethlehem? He got a body. What was he going to do with that body? Take the sin of the world in that body, die, shed his blood, lay it in a tomb. Three days and three nights later, he'd take that body back up again, walk out of the grave. I'm the resurrection and the life. I've conquered death. I've conquered the prince of this world. I've conquered your greatest fears. Then ascend back to heaven where he was before. This time, he's not just the son of God. He's the son of God and the son of man. Seated at the right hand of the Father. Call upon Him, He'll save you. Now, come to John one fifty one, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Verse 48. Nathanael saith unto him, Speaking to Jesus, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Uh, you probably got questions you want to ask when you get to heaven. I got questions I want to ask when, when I get to heaven. I want to know what Nathanael was doing under the fig tree. Because whatever he was doing when Jesus said, I saw you, his response, oh, okay, I know who you are. Now, was he, was he under that fig tree saying, Lord, I want to know you, I need to know you. Uh, please, please, please let me know. What's the truth? I want to know. If you show me the truth, I'll do the truth. And then Jesus walks up and says, I saw you under the fig tree. You're him. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Maybe he's under there looking through his brother's backpack and took something that didn't belong to him. And Jesus walked up and said, I saw you under the fig tree. <laughs> See, just, I don't know. It's not in the Bible. But it's interesting to wonder about. So he says, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. <laughs> you talk about an understatement. That next three and, a, three and a half years, you talk about greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That, that by itself is just, it's just strange. What in the world could that mean? Let's go to Genesis 28. Genesis chapter 28. We had a resurrection message this morning. Somebody said, out front this morning, they said, I've only been here twice. I was here several years ago, and you preached the same thing. And his son who brought him said, Dad, it was Easter. Might preach it again. Genesis 28. The Bible says, in verse number 11. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. Now, that's being tired. Stones for pillows. And he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Now, here's the father of, of the, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, 12 tribes. Jacob, Israel, 12 tribes of Israel. So Nathaniel, he's an Israelite. And you know what he knows about his history? His, his, his first father saw a ladder. And that ladder reached from earth all the way to heaven. And the angels could go up and down from earth to heaven, from heaven to earth on that ladder. And you know what Jesus said in John chapter number 1? I'm Jacob's ladder. There is a way to get from earth to heaven. And it's me. And it's me. Now, here's, here's a... Verse 28 says... Or chapter 28 verse 12 says... 
He dreamed, behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. Behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And then John 1.51, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now watch this. Nathaniel says, Thou art the Son of God. And there he is sitting in glory, and he is the Son of God. But the Son of God sitting in glory does not provide man a way to get from earth to heaven. The ladder of Genesis 12 was set up on the earth, and the top reached to heaven. So the Son of God comes down to earth, and there he is. He dies upon the cross, he's buried in the ground, he rises from the dead, he ascends to the right hand of the Father, and now there is a ladder set up on the earth whose top reaches all the way to heaven. You know who it is? It's Jesus Christ. What Jacob dreamed, the Lord made a reality. You want to get, you want to get from earth to heaven? Don't build you a tower at Babel, it won't reach high enough. Don't stack up boxes of good works, they won't reach high enough. God set up a ladder, and that ladder gets you all the way from earth to heaven. It's the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, John 5, one more. John chapter number 5. The Son of Man, He's the triune, remember the triune Godhead, they were never separated. He was lifted up to die that others might live. He was lifted up to die in accord with the Father's will. He was glorified even in death. His broken body provides life. He has a seal of approval from God the Father. He bridges the separation between earth and heaven. Finally, John 5, verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Thank the Lord. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Now look, the Son of God gives life. The Son of God, I'm sorry, the Son of God gives life. The Son of Man pronounces judgment. Now, how can that be? Well, sitting upon this throne, if this is God the Father, or the Son of God sitting upon this throne, A little OCD. It's not a lot, but it just <laughs> one of my many disorders. The Son of God is sitting upon the throne, and He says, "Why did you not keep my commandments?" Ted replies, "They were too many." Bob replies, "They were too difficult." You could give any number of, of excuses. You could tell God. You set the standard too high. But it's not the Son of God who judges you. The Son of God would save you if you would trust Him. If you don't trust Him, you are going to stand before the Son of Man. And the Son of Man will say, I kept them all. I didn't find them too difficult. None of them ever bothered me. I never found it grievous to please my father. Father, did I? No, son, you always did those things that pleased me. But, but as a man, oh, yes, son, even when you were a man. Well, okay, so what was your problem? See, if the Son of God were to judge you, you could argue. Well, what do you know about it? But when you stand before the Son of Man, he came down here and was subject to his parents. He came down here and went to the synagogue and listened every Sabbath day to people who didn't know what they were talking about. He endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. 
He worked a construction job and heard everything you heard and saw everything you heard and never participated. You are, look, if you don't trust the Son of God and receive eternal life, you are going to have to explain to the Son of Man why you as a Son of Man didn't measure up to the Father's expectations when He did. How about that? So the Bible, you know, it's, it's a precise book. It's very carefully worded. Look at it again. In verse number 25... The dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. So he's got power to raise the dead. And they stand before him. And verse number 26, is the Father given life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. If you trust the Son of God, he'll give you everlasting life. But if you don't, and he hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. So one who did keep the law will judge you. And look, not only that. Well, you know, I did break the commandments and I did, but but I didn't know what to do. You didn't know what to do. I died for you. That's the Son of Man. He's sitting right there in the judgment. And you're going to stand before him and say, "Well, well, I, no, I died for you. Well, I just didn't think there was any way. I died for you. See, people don't understand. They think in the judgment, it's going to be, well, I, you know, I never robbed a bank and I never killed anybody and I was a pretty good person. You are going to look into the eyes of one who paid your penalty and have to tell him you didn't want him. Never mind what you did, it's what you didn't do. You didn't trust him. And he's going to reach out that hand. Zechariah 9 said it's still got the wounds in it. For you. I did that for you. And all I ask you to do is believe on me. And all you did is run around talking about you were better than somebody else that you knew. I died for you. It's the Son of Man that executes judgment. So, I've done a lot of awful things in my life. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've only done a few. I've done a lot. But one thing I did is I trusted the Son of Man rather than refused Him and pushed Him away. And so, as the Son of God, He gave me everlasting life and I'll not stand to be executed by the Son of Man who is the judge. Now, if you're here tonight and maybe you've never been saved and you're trying to be a good person and you're working at it as hard as you can, (laughs) the one you're going to answer to never did anything wrong. That's the standard. So if you haven't met that standard, you need to trust Him and let Him forgive you. If you don't trust Him, let Him forgive you. He's going to be your judge one day. That's it. That's why we preach. That's why we witness. That's why we don't give up. That's why we warn all men, plead with all men. Praise the Lord. All right, I'm going to say something to our congregation here. That's the end of the sermon. I'm going to say something to our congregation. Um, this, this, this part two of my uh, Easter message. I, I know that from time to time, there's always somebody, probably several somebodies in a church this size that you just really discouraged down the dumps. And I understand that. This world, it just it's darker and darker and darker and gets harder and harder and harder to witness to people. And I understand that. And I know you just, sometimes you feel like giving up. Sometimes you feel like, what's the use? And, and it might be you this week and it might be a person sitting next to you next week. But, but one of us or several of us always feel that way at any given time. And you know, I look at this world, the children of this world are wiser than their generation, the children of light. Do you know, you know the, those marketing people, Walmart and the rest of them, you know they're not going to give up until every last one of you buys a basket full of candy. And no matter how many people walk out of that store without chocolate bunnies and peeps this year, 
They're going to crank it up again next year and run the ads and put up the displays and mail out the, the sales papers and just they're, they're, they are not going to stop. They are not going to give up till every last one of you uh, is in his Easter bonnet with all the frills upon it and in the Easter. Do they even have Easter parades anymore? Anyway, they don't give up. 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 And the only message they got is buy stuff. I want to be, even when I'm discouraged, I want to be at least as devoted to a real God as they are to mammon. And I want to be at least as steadfast to the cause of Christ as they are to the cause of prophets and, and making money. And may the Lord just help us to, to just stay at it. In season, out of season. I used to think that was a world. Well, you know, just the way things are out there, it's just out of season. I think it's us too. I have in season and I have out of season. I have times it's just as easy as it can be to, to serve the Lord and times when it's just, it's just a real effort. But God helping me, you helping me, God helping you and me helping you. Let's keep making the effort. Because it won't be, I mean, as soon as they get this stuff off the shelves, they're going to start putting up the, the uh, fireworks stands for the 4th of July. And, and every year they sit out there under those tents in the hot summer sun, hoping somebody's going to pull off the road and buy something that'll pop and fizz and explode and... A lot of people drive by those tents and never buy anything, but they put them up. They put them up. They put up the big sign. They stand out there with a sign on the street corner, fireworks right here. And they just stay at it. And I want to be as dedicated as they are. As soon as they pack those tents up, it'll be, it'll be July 5th, and they'll start putting out the Halloween decorations. They tried pushing Columbus Day, but they just couldn't get men to wear those little puff pants. And that, <laughs> that never really caught on. But honestly, just think about this world. They don't give up. And I don't want to give up. I want to keep on going, press on for Jesus. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Son of Man. Thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ. Provoke us to love and to good works. Help us keep on, keep serving you, be faithful to you, at least as faithful to you as the world is to their religions. And we'll thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.